the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. I love good quotes, and John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, John Wesley once said, quote, We should be rigorous in judging ourselves and gracious in judging others. Well, welcome to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert are here with you. So glad to be with you. And as we get into 2 Thessalonians 3, there's going to be um, some scriptures that I think might go along well with that John Wesley quote. And so we invite you to get a Bible, turn to the New Testament if you can, and turn to 2 Thessalonians 3. And while you turn there, I want to say a big, big, big welcome back to my uh, colleague, co-host, co-author, and friend, Bert Harper. You, you've been out a day or two, and we missed you, Bert. Well, I missed being here, but it was a great time in South Georgia, and I uh, got to be there in Worth County, Georgia. It's kind of like the peanut capital of the world down there. Yeah. And uh, just, uh, I want to say a shout out to Bruce Gordon. He's the pastor of Antioch Baptist Church, Jason Jones, the pastor at Isabella Baptist Church, and Donnie Duncan, First Baptist Church, Sylvester Pastor, and I got to work with them, preach at a men's conference, and Alex, it was a great time. Got a lot of great, great listeners there that love you, love exploring the huh. Word, and they are excited about the book coming out. So they, wow. I had several to ask me about that, and so we are excited about that, but I'm, I'm glad to be back, and Ready to go. I do appreciate Jim Stanley, though, uh, coming in. Uh, he does such a great job, and we appreciate that so much. Well, Jim Stanley is is just a pro, and he is so faithful. Whenever one of us is out, he'll sit in, and we have a real good time, and we appreciate Jim, and we appreciate everybody listening. And I'm going to go ahead and give that number because later on in the program in a few minutes, we will open up the phones, and we'll take your Bible questions. And the number is 888 888- Five eight nine eighty eight forty triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty, and so you'll recall in Second Thessalonians, Paul talked about a lot of things. He talked about the return of Christ, the uh, Antichrist that would one day be revealed, the man of sin, and uh, Bert. You know, Jim and I were talking about yesterday how Paul had said, uh, "You have no need that I teach you, because I told you these things before when I was with you." Uh, what what's really interesting is that he was only there like maybe a month, and yet he had had so much from the Lord that he had already taught them some very important things about uh, end times uh, realities. And again, First and Second Thessalonians is among the very first stuff that Paul had written. It is, and you got to remember that Paul was doing everything he could to plant this church and to keep it stable, keep it strong, and be missional. Uh, the idea was that that church would plant other churches. Now, how that works in that day, uh, they didn't have to have big building programs. They didn't have to go out and buy land. They met in one another's houses, and they would meet from house to house sometimes, and like in the larger cities, it would say to the churches that, you know, that are there, like in the, the book of Romans. And so at the church at Thessalonica, there were believers, and he had grounded them enough in the, you'd say, the word for them to be able to ask questions. Now, that's good. Sometimes, uh, you know, you don't know what to ask, but they did ask some good questions, I think, and Paul was writing to them concerning those things. But he really did pour into their their lives in that month uh, that he had with them. And uh, I I think did pretty well, you know. Uh, If you remember in the book of 1 Thessalonians, he gives thanks to them three or four times for who they are and what they've done. So uh, he he was proud of the, the believers there in Thessalonica. Exactly. Well, in uh, chapter 3, it says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. See, that they honored the message and the messenger and the Messiah because they had responded to it. 
And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. Boy, that, that's a true statement, it verse is. 2. Is. It is. Alex, when you said we'd have some things that would be applicable today, this is one of them. We're living in a day that's quite different than any time that we've had in, in America. Now, our brothers and sisters that's been in other countries, they face these things uh, many times and more over than just once or twice. But it says that we may be delivered. And, and, and I found out that word delivered. You know, he, he wants them uh, to n- not, it's not him personally, it's the gospel. That's, mm-hmm. that's his whole idea. We, he still, he knew you had work to do, you know? And yeah. he said, I don't want them to keep me. I don't want them to uh, be able to stall me in doing the will of God of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I find that, you know, uh, Lord, help me to have that kind of mentality, Alex, it not to be about my comfort, but about my calling that God's called me to do. Amen. Amen. Bert, I got to ask you, did you ever see a book years ago about church struggles, church problems? And it was a book called The Devil in Pew 7. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. You remember that? Yes, I did. Verse 2, Paul <laughs> says, pray that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith, it says in the English. But really in the Greek, there's a definite article and it, it really reads, not all are of the faith. Exactly. Now, what does that mean? Not everybody that you're going to meet is really born again. And even in church work, there are people that are not saved. And it doesn't mean we need to muscle up and, you know, get in a, a posture that, you know, I'm going to fight this church fight or anything. In fact, um, I, I don't really think anybody wins in a church fight, quote unquote, but we need to understand lovingly, prayerfully, patiently that even within the ranks of the church, sometimes there are people that are not born again. Alex, not all have amen. the faith. Amen. Thank you for saying that. And notice what he does <clears throat> in verse 3. But even though these are unreasonable and wicked men, but the Lord is faithful who amen. will establish you and guard you from the evil one. This guard has the idea, describes a military protection against an assault. The Lord will guard you. Uh, but that conjunction, but we, we talked about conjunctions all the time, how important yeah. they are in scriptures. And this is a contrast. Yes, you're going to have this coming. They're coming against me. Are they going to come against you? But I want you to know the Lord is faithful. I, Alex, Amen. I think we could Amen. shout that from the uh, rooftops. God is faithful. Yeah. And we, even when we're not, He remains faithful still, doesn't he? He really does. The Lord is faithful, who will establish you, guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Uh, Paul, we've talked about this before. Uh, This is uh, the assumptive uh, (laughs) position. Paul assumes uh, that they're going to do. And, you know, good leadership really... Uh, does, uh, you know, maybe maybe it's, uh, I'm hoping you'll do it, but I'm going to tell you you'll do it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to you as the man I want you to become, maybe not the man that you currently are, you know. But very often, good leaders set the bar just a little bit higher so that the people will aspire to it. And so in uh, verse 4, there's compliment, but also really command isn't it it is i noticed how he finishes that both that you do and will do Uh, continue do it now do it later don't diminish what god's called you to do don't advocate don't throw in the towel but you keep on doing the things we command you now i i think that's pretty neat that uh paul did some things we know he taught some things right but he also commanded some things in other words, there are some non-negotiables. There are some things that you must carry out, and we need to do that. And, and I'm afraid sometimes the pulpits, uh, we don't say that enough. You know, uh, we not that they're wishy-washy, but God says, this is who you are in Christ. 
This is who you have become in Christ. Now carry it out. Be that person. Do those things at God. And he said, do and will do. I, I, I thought that was an interesting way of saying that. Verse 5 says, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. And, you know, the word direct there, may the Lord direct your heart. Very interesting word that, that means put in the right way and direct in the right way. Uh, in other words, just like the car has got to be on the right road, let's pray that God will direct our heart and keep our heart in the right way. And verse 6 says, we com- but we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. And the word in there doesn't, doesn't just mean tradition like Christmas traditions. No, it means the teachings. Right. We, we've talked much about this word, the doctrine. That's it. That's the word. And Alex, uh, he makes it plain that you withdraw uh, he he makes that plain over in the when he writes the book of First Corinthians. He he's going to talk about a specific brother that is, and I think he's probably a leader in the church that's living in open sin. And the congregation, well, we believe in liberty so much and grace, we're going to let him keep on. And God uh, let Paul write to them say, this is not the way you live. This is not right. You need to withdraw from him. You need to. Let him be uh, isolated to the point where he sees, hopefully, for correction and restoration, isn't it? It's not the purpose of being mean. It's really for the purpose of doing good. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and and so uh, this is so, I mean, just think about this. We're 18 verses, very small chapter, so packed with power and truth. Um, verse 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Uh, Bert, I think our nation needs to... Study Second Thessalonians three ten. <laughs> wow, uh, Alex, uh, you said it. Now here, this is taking place in church, and and Paul. Let's let's talk about two things, and let me talk about Paul. We probably won't have time to finish that in this segment. But Paul said, "I had authority to ask you to give the money to me so you could support me while I was teaching, but I did not. I worked, and he was a tent maker, so he was worked as an example to them." And uh, his example, and this is part of pastoral ministry. Yes, we're to teach the word. Yes, we're to cast a vision. But we're to be an example to the flock. And here in 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 Second Thessalonians, Paul makes it plain that he was an example in working. And then he comes across and says, "And if they don't work, neither do they eat." Now. I think we need to get back to that in the church, but also I would say in the nation as well, because God made man. The work was not part of the curse, Alex. Oh, of course, of course. Work is a blessing. Yes. But the the drudgery and the futility and the, the toil, that's part of the curse, isn't it? It is. And we're going to talk more about these individuals that would not work, what Paul said to do with them. And I think you will need to hear this, and I think it will help us. As we are looking forward to the return of Christ, we need to be watchful but working. We'll be back right after the break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Frank Rose, Deputy Administrator of the National Nuclear Security Administration at the Department of Energy. He leads cybersecurity, workforce development and staffing, and international outreach. Galatians 6.2 reminds us of the importance of helping others, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Frank Rose in his role at the Department of Energy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. 
a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says there ought to be a connection between the intensity of our needs and the intensity of our prayers. He'll tell us a story about that today as we spend two minutes with Tony. James said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So if you're here today looking for a miracle that is bring the supernatural into history, you must be a effectual fervent righteous prayer. A number of years ago, I was doing a evangelistic crusade. A gentleman came in and said, we've just been warned that a major storm is coming and it will be here by seven o'clock. And we prayed that God would hold the rain and we prayed that God would uh, allow the service to go on and we prayed a safe prayer. At the end of the prayer, a five foot one lady named Linda said, may I pray? Linda said, Lord, we are here doing what you ask us to do. You ask us to win people to Christ. We have spent money, time, energy to put this crusade together doing what you told us to do. All the preachers did was just look at each other and wait for lightning to strike. As the rain came up to the stadium, the rain split. And then the rain came back together at the other end of the stadium. The preachers were being spiritually polite, but Linda gave an effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person. Learn how you can make a more powerful connection with Christ and start seeing the answers you've been waiting for. Check out Dr. Evans' teaching series, The Power of Prayer, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 American Family Radio Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. If you got pain, he's a pain If you feel lost, he's a way I just want to tell you what Alex and I desire to do here on Exploring the Word is share Jesus Christ. He's the way maker, pain taker. He is the chain breaker. It is Jesus. And it's not necessarily important that you know Scripture just to know Scripture. It's important that you know Scripture, that you know God. And Alex, Mm. that's our goal. We want you to see the heart of God, His ways, and uh, that's what we're doing. And here in chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians, I think you see that. Listen to this last phrase, and and you pick up to go back or forward wherever you want to go. But just let me say this. It says in the last part, of verse 9, to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. Mm. Alex, uh, that should be a parent's prayer, uh, a pastor's prayer, a teacher's prayer, a small group leader's prayer. Uh, We need to live a life that people can see Christ in us, the hope of glory, and that we could say to them, follow me as I follow Christ. I think that's a goal worth, worth striving for. Yeah, and and you know what? The word imitate is the word from which we get the word mentor. And Bert, have you ever had somebody, and I would suspect you've had many, that ask you to to mentor them oh, yeah. or to disciple them? Right, it is, and what what an opportunity. I've said it, it's this an before. honor, it isn't is. it? It is. I've said this before, and in the men's conference that I did down in uh, Sylvester, Georgia, I, I, I demonstrated them. I said, in your life, you need to kind of have yourself encircled. You need to have someone out in front of you that you uh, are following. You see Christ in them. Uh, they're in the Word. They treat their wife and their children right. They do their job right. And, and and they're a mentor to you. But then you need to have two guys on the side that are 
you know, they hold yourself, they hold you accountable. We call them peers. They're, they're, they're able to look at you and say, Hey, Bert, Hey, Alex, what are you doing? And then we need to be an example, a mentor to someone else. And when you surround yourself that way, Alex, I want to just tell you, it puts you in a position of, of accountability as an example, but also of learning in humility. Uh, you, you ought to, you better always have somebody out in front of you that you admire that will, it may be someone you, you may not know them every day. It may be a pastor. It may be a teacher, a, a, a layman in your church, but, uh, Alex, it really is important that we be an example, but it's also important to be that, uh, be accountable to someone as well. Yeah, there's the mentor and the mentee, you know, the one being mentored. And and I think it's good to have a mentor in a lot of things. I know that there have been men that were, um, well, you might as well say business coaches. It, it's been my privilege, uh, if I can humbly say so, to, to help some aspiring writers kind of learn how to get their manuscript ready and get published and, you know, it's a beautiful thing when the Lord has imparted into our life, and very much God imparts into us through other believers, but then we can pass it on as well. And verse 9, Paul says, "We it's not. I'm not telling you to follow this path because we have authority over you, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. I'm going to say this, and we're going to move on. Bert, I think as long as we live, every Christian, we need to be mindful of the fact that People are around us. The Bible says no man lives unto himself. And we are to be a Christian worth looking at and worth following, shouldn't we? Amen, Alex. And uh, Paul, notice what he did on his first missionary journey. He did not go alone. And he, he took John Mark with him at, and Barnabas was there. And then along the way, he would pick up some that he thought, hey, would you come and follow me? He was being that mentor. He was being that one. And even here in his letters that he's writing, he is he is letting them know they need to be that. Uh, I've shown you how. Now you do it. You know, I was an example. I was an example to, to, to disciple you, to help you. You need to do that as well. So uh, that's the way it's carried on, and we still need – is there, let me ask you this way. I've cut myself short. Is there anything that will replace discipleship in, in church? I, I don't think so. I don't know of anything either. Yeah, a, exactly. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, it benefits the recipient and the, the leader. But in uh, verse 10, of course, we, as we talked about, where uh, Paul had said, look, we, we didn't take your bread, we worked, and... Verse 11 says, For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. That's uh, interesting <laughs> because there, there's the um, not only the implication that they're sponging off of others for food to eat, but they're basically taking the strength and the vitality out of the church, too. They are, and and we don't know all the reasons. We think some were saying, well, Jesus is coming back. There's no need in me of investing my time and energy and money into anything. He's coming back. That's not what the Bible teaches about the second coming. It seems to be watchful, yes, Jesus said, watch and pray. Notice when he said that, I'm going over here, and I'm going to meet with the Father. You stay here, and you watch and pray. Be active. Yes, you watch, but you're active, and you're praying. You're anticipating. And these people who they were either uh, hoodwinked uh, or they were using an excuse not to work. Uh, I, I believe more excuses are used not to work. Now, he's not talking about people who have legitimate uh, inabilities, you know, that have inability to work. But I've used this example before. If you can't do something here, find something that you can do, uh, not just in serving the Lord, but in work. And, and so, Alex, I don't know too many, uh, you know, wagon makers anymore that, are, that pull horses. Why? Because that became antiquated, you see? And sometimes you have to fit your model 
of following the Lord to learn something that is different. I, you know, I, I tell folks I could still li- live in Mayberry and have my telephone line connected to the Sarah, Sarah. The Opera. Yeah. But, you know, I don't live in that world anymore, so I had to learn some things. Now, I'm not as technical like a lot of folks are, like my friend Stetton across from me, Devin Patrick. And, exactly. uh, but, but yet, we have to live in this world. So don't use the excuse, well, it's passed me by. No, you've got to get in there, and if you don't work, neither do you eat. That's, that's pretty loud and clear, and, and I would say severe on those that are choosing not to work, Alex. Well, exactly. Uh, by the way, the word busybody is a fascinating word. Um, the disorderly manner, not working all, but uh, busybody. Do you know what the word busybody actually means? It means wasted labor or wasted energy. Uh, one, one lexicon says an overdoer. Now, you might think, well, you know, a busybody being busy, energetic, isn't that good? Well, no, not if you're wasting your energy and your talent and your influence on the wrong things. Now, your energy and your abilities and your influence. Energy is that you get out of bed in the morning. Influence is that you can be a, make an impression on people. And then abilities is what you're good at. If, if it's gossip or if it's you know idleness or false teaching or the rumor or whatever, um, you're, you're expending energy, but just not in the right place. And it, it really means wasted labor. But Paul says, uh, now those who are such, we command and exhort you that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, and, and I love this, Bert, uh, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. But do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Um, We are to always lovingly, obediently to Christ, act redemptively in the life of people, aren't we? We are. And notice this. It does not put us in the place of judging someone in their motives. Alex, yes. Mm -hmm. Now, we have to judge their actions because these that are not working— these who are busy bodies, and uh, again, that busy body does mean that, but it also has the idea of meddling in other people's business. That's what happens with idleness. You sit back and you start being involved in other people's business that you had no business, which becomes troublesome. And so here, uh, Paul is making the issue is it's what they're doing. And they need to be awakened to what they're doing. So don't treat them as an enemy, but treat them as a brother. Admonish them as a brother. Now, that word admonish, it means to hold them accountable. It means to let them know. And uh, they need to hear what they're seeing and what you're seeing them doing. They need to hear that, uh, that they may respond. Hopefully, what does Paul want them to do? Correct that. They correct their attitude, and then their action will follow, you know? So it's a correction of an attitude, of laziness, of idleness, a a correction of if if they're waiting for the Lord to return and they're not not doing nothing, that means they need to be corrected in their doctrine, and then you admonish them to change in their action. So attitude and actions, Alex, um, that really tells us about a Christian walk, our own and others as well, doesn't it? It does. You know what's fascinating to me? In verse 15, do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. The word admonish is, in the original Greek, the word neuthetic. And maybe you've heard people in Christian counseling talk about neuthetic counseling. And it really means encouragement, admonish, uh, instruction in the Word of God, in, in the, the Word of the Lord. Let me just encourage you in your church. Um, there ought not be anybody in your church that you can't uh, look them straight in the eye, smile, and have a conversation with. Um, I know sometimes in church people disagree, and sometimes, Bert, I think um, there's probably people, and they sit across from each other in the pew, but maybe they haven't spoken in years it, we don't always have to always agree on everything. I mean, we agree on the essentials, 
the essentials, Jesus, the Son of God. But I just think there's so much church health that needs to happen before there's much church growth. And when Paul says, admonish as a brother, let's remember to invest in others because we're going to be in heaven together. They are a brother. That person at church you got sideways with, he's a brother. Bert, I've always said this, but I love what Abraham said to Lot. Hey, come on, we be brethren. Amen. Amen, Alex. And we need to do that. We need to demonstrate. You've already alluded to it. You didn't allude to it. You said it. Church fusses are horrible. And, Mm. uh, man, if I prefer blue carpet and they want brown, praise the Lord for the brown carpet. You know, yeah. And I know that sounds elementary, but it is true. Be it's careful. True. Don't don't make a, a a mountain out of a molehill. And yeah. uh, but I know people. You you've got preferences. Music is one of those things. You know, people have all kinds of preferences when it comes to music. People have preferences concerning the the different kind of versions of the Bible that preacher preaches from. I understand preferences, but Alex. Uh, don't get sideways on that. But when a brother is out of line completely, admonish them. Uh, the, go with them with the Word of God and let the Word of God do its work in their life. And, and do it as a what? A brother, not an enemy. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, the, the closing salutation or the benediction, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is a sign in every epistle, so I write, grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Verse 16 is a beautiful, beautiful uh, dismissal. This could be a benediction in every service, couldn't it? It is. Notice, the peace that we receive is from the peace giver. Uh, You're never going to be a peace receiver or a peace maker until you know the Prince of Peace the Lord of peace. Now, notice it says the Lord of peace. Most of the time we hear him, the Prince of peace, the King of kings, but he is the Lord of peace. He's the one that brings peace. Now, this peace is not the absence of of, of war, but it does mean a contentment, Alex. It has the idea of it coming into your life, and uh, I use this all the time. I'm going to do it quickly and let you carry us out. When they were in the storm, the apostles was in the storm, and it was raging. They were fishermen. Jesus was sleeping and resting. They come and said, do you not care that we're perishing? Jesus comes up, rebukes the storm, and says, peace be still. Among all of that difficulty and hardship, Jesus brings peace. In my mind, uh, the peace was all around them, but there may have been the storm was still raging way out there where they, you know, they could see it but God brought peace to where they are. That's usually the peace that we have. In other words, we live in a stormy climate of of difficulty in the world we live in, but in that midst of that storm, and it's all around us, guess what we can have? Peace that passes understanding. Amen. Amen. You know, I began with a quote from John Wesley, uh, quote, we should be rigorous in judging ourselves and gracious in judging others. Bert, I think when we when we examine our heart, just continually be, you know, taking inventory, examining our heart, cleaving to Jesus. Um, I think that that's where true peace is, is um, not trying to fix what's outside, but being mindful with Christ over what's on the inside. Peace with God brings on the peace of God. I hope you have that. We're going to take questions. Right after we come back from the break, that number, 888-589-8840. The Gospel. What I heard on the radio, you guys have changed my life. Vital information. My kids and I are so thankful for you, and we love your news and everything that you'll give out. God is using American Family Radio to transform American culture. We'd love to hear your story. Call 877-876-8893. That's 877-876-8893. You might hear yourself on the air during our share October 12th, 13th, and 14th. Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. 
this is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks one-year scholarship program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session starts September 13th. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The city lies four square, its length, width, and height all equal, 1,380 miles for each dimension. The city's wall is 216 feet high, 12 gates around the city, with each gate made of a single pearl. Streets of gold so pure, they're translucent. No need for a sun, God's glory lights the city. No tears, no pain. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. An 80-year-old golfer with failing eyesight was paired with a 90-year-old golfer with perfect vision who would be his spotter. On the first tee, the 80-year-old hit the ball, and he asked the 90-year-old partner, Where did it go? After a moment, his 90-year-old partner said, Well, I saw it, but I can't remember. Many people won't believe what they can't see, but Jesus calls us to faith in him though we have not seen him. One day soon our faith will be made sight, but until that time we have God's word and the Holy Spirit to help us rejoice in things that we cannot yet see. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Grace to you, grace to you, His invitation to the broken grace to you. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Birdie and Alex with you. We're taking phone calls. We've got one or two lines open. Going to get to as many as we can. That number, 888 8840. But before we turn it over to Alex to go to the phone lines, let me remind everybody the Pastor and Wife Fishbowl Retreat, October the 19th through the 21st this year, up at Pickwick Landing State Park on the Tennessee River near Savannah, Tennessee, a beautiful place. Jan, my wife, and I will be there, and Ed Vitagliano will be there along with JJ Jasper. And we would love for you to be there. We're registering people. Uh, we still have room. And I know a lot of folks are afraid. Oh, the virus. We don't know. But go ahead and register if you feel like it. And we'll take care of that if that takes place. And uh, we'll be careful as we can. So go ahead and register. Get your wife, your pastor and his wife registered if they want to come. And uh, you can go to repairingthefoundations.net. Repairingthefoundations.net. Or you can call. 662-844-5036. That's 662-844-5036, extension 297. And we'd love to see you there. We're looking forward to it. But, Alex, uh, I know, how about Truth for New Generation? You guys full or still taking uh, oh, uh, We are still taking registrations now. We're just a month and a half away. But Truth for a New Generation, it's going to be in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. October 15 through 17, Frank Turek is going to be there, Sandy Rios, E.W. Jackson, and more. Folks, we're going to be talking about a biblical response to critical race theory and the woke movement. And, Bert, I've just got to say this. We're going to be talking about, here's this question, has democracy had its day? Will we grow up under Marxism in the future, or can our representative republic be saved? What can we as Christians do? It really is for all ages, and I believe we've got just some of the most powerful speakers ever to talk about some of the most important issues of our lifetime. October 15 through 17, 
Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, to register, and we hope you'll attend. Okay. You ready to go to the phone lines? Uh, let's go to Virginia and talk with Ruth. Ruth, thank you for holding, and welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I just want to say thank you for your program. Last week I called you because my father had just died two days before unexpectedly. And amazingly, your program that day was about going to heaven, and I had a lot of questions. Uh, amazingly, I had a question. And um, the show answered it. So at the end of the show and the program, I asked, for your prayers, for me to be calm. And I want to thank you for your prayers and for anybody else that may have prayed. Because at the funeral, it's not my personality at all. I was amazingly peaceful and calm. And I've been calm ever since. I even said to somebody, I don't even understand why I have so much peace. And then all of a sudden, I ripped remember the verses that my father quoted frequently if we were stressed about the peace that surpasses understanding and I have that in my heart and my head now and when you all were closing with that I just could not believe it <laughs> but I want to thank you for your prayers because I do I'm more crying now than I did at the funeral <laughs> Amen, Ruth. Hey, tears are, are not bad. Tears are good. And we sorrow, but we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. Uh, don't let people put guilt on you. Uh, God God's timing is perfect, and we can trust him. Walk with him. And uh, Alex, I, I just found out with God, uh, he, can, he can take us through the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death, and bring oh, yeah. us out on the other side, can he? He really can. Ruth, God bless you, and thank you for allowing Truth for a New Generation to share in your journey. We, Our love and prayers are with you. Uh, in Georgia, Michael. Michael, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, guys. Welcome, um, brother. I thought, this was worth, I thought this was worth considering. Um, on the, uh, If you don't work, neither shall you eat. Uh, John the Baptist was homeless, but he was a minister. Jesus was a, the high priest, and he didn't have a, you know, Caesar job. So I always look spiritually at what Paul was saying to the church. He was talking about if you don't work by Jesus Christ, you won't grow in the Holy Ghost. And the reason I came up with that was because I, I lost a job for six months. I had several church members, which is my family members, reject my soul on that verse and they told me the sword on that word by me not having that system job they cursed me with that word like a sword they didn't admonish me like a brother it's still not real close you know but i'm just saying uh i started looking at it spiritually after that wound hit me like lord i'm i'm worthless i because i don't have a job and he just told me to keep working for jesus and so I just wanted to bring that up. Amen, Michael. Thank you. Alex, I, I just want to tell you, it's kind of like, let me put it this way. God, uh, the word retirement's not in the Bible. That's but true. there may be a time when you change your position, and the position you had for 40 years may close out, or you might say, you know, I'm not going to do that. But work continues, you know, mm -hmm. and even those that lose a job get a pink slip and they're sitting on the sideline as far as that job of income coming in. Uh, there's no place of idleness, but you don't need to beat people over the head with that. Uh, Alex, uh, as a brother, that I think it, I think Paul was making that plain, admonish them as a, as a brother, you know, not an yeah. enemy. Well, and the word there in Second uh, Thessalonians three ten, if a man will not work, neither shall he eat. the The word is a fascinating word, but it really means uh, to acquire by labor. In other words, we we trade our time for money. You know, we we work, and um, 
that's how we're supposed to feed ourselves is by by working. And I know there's times when we might be sick and we need a hand up or something like that. But the normal course of life for people is to to work. Uh, we're going to go to Virginia, David in Virginia. Thanks for holding. Hello, brothers. How are y'all today? Good. Good to have you. <clears throat> Listen, um, I'm a, I'm an old truck driver and. I used to listen to a, a pastor on the radio. His name was Oliver B. Green. And, and I just, what he said, he was just, he had, he was an awesome pastor. And he said one day in one of his sermons that the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, he believes with all his heart that God the Father has that blood in an urn or something what do y'all think about that okay let me first say a word about oliver b green that dude could preach and uh, he was one of the very first to use the radio for discipleship in a significant way alex and uh, uh he had booklets it's hard to call them books you know real small books and i remember a friend give them those to me and i learned a lot but I, I think I remember that. Was he? Was it figurative that he were talking about, or do you think actual? Uh, do you know most people? And this is a question people have had. And by the way, Oliver B. Green, if you're ever in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, there's a a little community called Rosedale, or no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Cherrydale, Cherrydale, and in. Beside this cemetery is the building that used to be his studio, and up on the building it says the Gospel Hour. And if you go there and you see where Oliver B. Green, he really was a Christian radio pioneer. But Hebrews 9.12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. That's Hebrews 9.12. And some have theorized that Jesus carried a like bowl of his own blood into the holy place in heaven. You know, Bert, the atonement was on the cross, and I I don't know that the blood of Jesus, I, I don't know if you can take that Hebrews 9.12 too far, because see, the sacrifice was was made, Jesus was raised and given a glorified body, and... Um, I'm just rejoicing, not not that the blood is in heaven, but that Jesus is in heaven. Amen. You know, so um, I, I'm familiar with this teaching that there's a container of Jesus's blood in heaven. I think that's just taking the verse a little farther than it explicitly says. I, I I agree that there is power in the blood, not in the urn. That you know, okay, I don't want to take it further than he did, but I think you're exactly right, Alex. I agree with you. Where to next? B- Brent in Mississippi. We love Mississippi. Brent, how are you, my friend? Hey, Alex. I am doing great. Um, my, uh, quick question. Uh, I was wondering, were the angels, uh, heavenly uh, hosts, you know, angels, were they around before the creation of the universe? And I, I'm just on the train of thought that since, you know, I guess Satan was cast you know, out of heaven to earth, you know, and all that train of thought, just trying to uh, figure out exactly, you know, how to explain that to my daughter as I'm going through stuff like that. Alex, is hey, that Bert, one of the questions you had and uh, children ask? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, let me let me say this, and I want to throw it to you. In Job, and we we've taught through the book of Job, one of the oldest books of the Bible, but God is contending with Job, and and He asked Job, "Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation?" And all the angels shouted for joy, Job 38, 4, 4 and 7. So I believe the angels were created before this world was created because it, it indicates that they watched and cheered as yeah. this solar system and world got spoken into existence. And you see that, and again, just like uh, Brent quoted about Satan falling in to earth, you know, uh, the creation was there. They were his messengers, and they were there before the creation. They were created before the earth was created. It sounds like that to me as well. Thank you, Brent. Amen. All right. In Tennessee, 
Tennessee. Sandra, welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, hello there. You all are fantastic. I'm well, telling you, God, God is good. God, ha- God is using you all. And I've heard some great questions today and some wonderful answers. But I do have a question for you, uh, and I appreciate you all very much. Um, my question is, the Equality Act is in the Senate right now, and there's lots of people, and I'm talking about Christians, who don't know anything about it. Yeah. And I was wondering what your opinion is about discussing this in a Sunday school class. Okay, great question. That's always Please coming do. up. It does. I believe it does. It is biblical. Uh, when you get to the things of the Word of God, uh, this program, let me give us an example and throw it to you real quickly, squeeze the can. We are biblically driven, but it, so often there's issues that come up that we do not skirt around. We're, we're not event-driven. Uh, we're biblically, by that I mean that's what we concentrate other programs they come in on the events and bring the biblical to it. But sometimes, Alex, you and I have intervened in our Bible study to talk about issues, the Equality Act. I think it comes to that level, brother. Uh, yeah, everybody needs to talk about it. Uh, because, listen, here's a fact. President Biden made the passage of the Equality Act a key campaign promise back a year ago in 2020. The bill passed the House of Representatives in 2019, hasn't been voted on yet in the Senate. But here's the thing. The Equality Act uh, really meshes two civil rights cases, the Civil Rights Act of 64 and the Fair Housing Act of 68, and it changes the definition of sex. Now, the term sex originally was used in reference to the biological status of men and women, but now... So you can't discriminate based on sex. It's like, I'm not going to sell this house because the buyer's a female. Can't do that. But what they're going to do now, the word sex, also means sexual orientation, gender identification, and this is for the purposes of employment, housing, public accommodation, jury service. So here's the thing, and this is why uh, churches don't realize Look, if this Equality Act passes, I'm going to tell you the one thing that's not going to be given any equality, and that's religious freedom. Amen. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you. And, and i got to say one last thing. In 1993, during the Clinton years, and this is good, there was the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and it um, exempted churches from gay rights legislation. The Equality Act specifically says the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 93 cannot be used as an exemption for beliefs about marriage, gender, or sexuality. So the Equality Act really gives people of faith an ultimatum. Change your Bible-based practices or face government punishment. That's right. Sandra, thank you for calling. We're not going to have time for another call, but I see John from Arkansas should I learn about other faiths? I just want to tell you the good example of that, uh, John, I hope you're listening, is when they were talking about the Treasury Department and them looking at counterfeit, they didn't study all the different kinds of counterfeit. They studied the real thing so that they could identify that which is false. First, concentrate on the Lord, gaze at Him, and glance at the other faiths. I think that's a that's my thoughts, Alex. Amen. I agree with you. I agree with you. Study, study, study the Word of God. Study to show yourself approved. And as Jude 3 says, earnestly contend or stand up for the faith. You've been listening to Exploring the Word. We deeply appreciate it. Tune in again tomorrow. You can listen to this and forward this show by going to AFR.net. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.